Happy Wednesday to you all. Welcome back to the Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Isaiah Hole, your man on the ground here, and I am the publisher of Wolverines Wire, which is through USA Today Sports Media Group. Uh, we are going to pick up continuing a conversation that I started yesterday but ran out of time with and got a little bit more to say now. It's this... Uh, this SEC slurping thing. I say the SEC is not necessarily as good as people are saying based off of the resume. Uh, and that's not to say that's not to take away from those teams and everything like that. We'll get into it. I have a couple qualifiers there, so we'll get into that. Uh, also, we're going to get into some, some players that staying and going and all of this kind of stuff. And we include a little bit of... Rashawn Gary, who stayed this year, uh, despite some uh, ruminations that he was not going to, as we spoke with him yesterday. So, going to listen to some of the things that he had to say as well. And then, on top of that, uh, some takeaways from Michigan basketball last night. Michigan basketball opened up its season, got John Beeline his 800th career win, and uh, I was there at Chrysler. So we're going to talk a little bit about that because we're going to start it up, get into some basketball. Anyway, all right, starting off with this continuation of what I was talking about with the SEC, because uh, I felt like I really had to finish what we were talking about. There was a lot to go on there. Giving myself about two minutes wasn't fair, uh, considering I probably had more than 10 minutes worth of stuff to talk about here. So... Kind of getting back in to what I was saying um, initially here. Alabama has pl uh, played five teams in the FBS with winning records. They've only played one team that's currently ranked in LSU. Of course, Alabama has won all of its games. Georgia has played six winning teams and three ranked teams currently. And... Uh, the uh, the Bulldogs are five and one and two and one versus ranked. LSU has one of the best schedules in the country in many ways. Uh, maybe not in the country, but it it makes sense, right? Six and two against FBS winning teams. They've played one non-FBS team. They have played no FBS level non-winning teams. But they have two losses now. Michigan has played seven winning teams, no FBS teams. Two teams are unwinning. They're eight and one overall. So there is that. Uh, forgot about ranked. Uh, two and one against ranked teams. So three ranked teams. The uh, exact same as uh, Georgia. And uh, LSU completely forgot to see how many teams that they played were ranked. They are 2-2 two and two against ranked teams. So they played one more, but got one more loss. Or one more win. I don't know how you want to look at that. The one team I do want to say, I don't think it's... it's I'm not arguing that Alabama is no good. Or that Alabama might not be the best team in the country. I think for all intents and purposes, intents and purposes, Alabama 
is the best team in the country. They're the defending national champion, albeit against another SEC team, but both of them beat their non-SEC opponents in the college football playoffs, so fine, fair. But Alabama has a track record going back a decade now that says it is the best team. So I'm not saying that Alabama is not the best team. I'm not saying that if you lined up Alabama against any other team in college football that they shouldn't be favored. They a thousand percent should be favored and heavily. If Alabama was to was to play Michigan, I would obviously pick Alabama to win and I might pick Alabama to win by double digits despite how good Michigan's defense is. I think Alabama's earned that credibility and reputation. It's just kind of all of the other stuff that goes along with Alabama that gets to be frustrating. Now, we talked about the winning records, but at the same time, like if you go back to yesterday's show at the end, I went through every single game, and a lot of those teams with winning records are ones that might not end up with winning records. A lot of five and four in there, right? <laughs> I mean, when you're... It's like, oh, that, oh, Ole Miss currently has a winning record, but they might not next week. So, stuff like that. This was supposed to be Alabama's first big test of the season. But despite LSU playing all these teams with winning records, playing four ranked teams, all those teams are other SEC teams. So... To me, that's maybe it's a bit of a red herring. LSU beat Miami, Florida, ACC, the, the Canes. They have the nation's best, second best defense statistically behind Michigan, 45 total yards per game less. But Florida also, sorry, Miami also has four losses. They're one of those five and four teams we mentioned, including a loss to Duke. LSU trounced Georgia, but Georgia got wins against Austin P, Middle Tennessee State. It's not exactly a gauntlet. Other SEC teams. LSU did beat Auburn, which last year beat both Alabama and Georgia, but it's a three-loss team this year. Just got back on the ranking, so that's a, that's a quality win. Not going to lie, it's a quality win. And uh, a Florida team that's also 6-3. and three, Got trounced by Georgia, Kentucky, and Missouri. Kentucky was a team that was highly ranked coming into Week 10, but couldn't really contend to week jo- uh, against uh, Georgia. But my point is, that Kentucky team, people say, look at that, another SEC win. Where would Georgia fit, or sorry, Kentucky fit in the Big Ten? Would it be a top team? Would it be a middle-tier team? If Kentucky had to play in the Big Ten East, where would they finish? So, that's the quality of game that LSU uh, has had. But what about Alabama? So, Alabama has a one win against a currently ranked team. Otherwise, a lot of these gaudy statistics that they have, because here's the crux. The people that are saying it's 
Alabama and Clemson, and it's not any. It's not even close. They say it's, it's those two, and they'll be playing for the national championship in the end. So just deal with it. You know, if Notre Dame and Michigan make it in, then you know, have fun in your first round, and then you know we'll see you Alabama and Clemson in the finals, which very well might be the case. Right? I'm not saying that that won't be the case. I'm just saying it's. You're, you're, you're like, well, Alabama is head and shoulders above everybody because they went out and put together an offense. But that offense is beating up on, I mean, okay, 29 points against LSU. That's fine. That's fair. But that's not against a good defense. I mean, Michigan had the number three defense in the country last year. And Ohio State still put 30 on it, right? Like, Michigan had the number one defense two years ago. Ohio State still put 30 on it. Granted, it was in double overtime, but it still happened. 29 isn't, isn't like, 29 to nothing is a lopsided score, yes. But if LSU could have put together any kind of defense whatsoever, or sorry, offense whatsoever, it was, say, 29 to 21, the story would be different. But LSU, like it always, pretty much historically does in games like this, can't do anything. So, all right. that's These are a lot of points just to say the offensive stats that everyone's fawning over, the defenses that Tua Tagovailoa is shredding, aren't exactly world beaters here. That's my point. Don't get me started on Clemson either. Clemson's in a similar scenario. Trevor Lawrence is killing it. I'm not taking any of that away from anybody. But 77 points against Louisville. Louisville's been garbage. 59 points against the Florida State. Florida State's been garbage. The ACC has been garbage in general. Wake Forest had a decent game against Boston College, but against Clemson, 63-3. They did trounce... North Carolina State 41 to 7 and beat Georgia Tech convincingly 49 to 21 that doesn't always happen. The only game that were have been honestly very tough for Clemson on the schedule Texas A&M unranked beat by 2 points at Texas A&M still still a great win and Syracuse who's now ranked 13th lost by 4 and they were at home against Syracuse. So, my view is more so, where is the signature out-of-conference win? Because that's the only way you can really tell. Because it's not like the only, the only, to my knowledge, the only SEC Big Ten crossover was early in the season, Purdue, losing a Missouri. That might be the best non-conference win right now for the SEC considering what Purdue did to Ohio State. Otherwise, it, it was supposed to be LSU-Miami and Miami was supposed to be a top 10 team and that's clearly not the case. 5-4. and four. Now, the reason why I get so amped up about this was I listened to SiriusXM both in the afternoon yesterday and 
in the middle of the night or, mo- or early morning or whatever, coming home from the Michigan basketball game last night after I got done working. And you get the afternoon show that shouted down a Michigan fan who very well might have started listening to this yesterday that called in and was trying to say the same point and got shouted down and by Andy Staples, who I, I love dearly. I think he's great. But he's like, if you're going to start talking about SEC, strength of schedule and all this stuff, like I don't want to hear it. I'm going to start yelling at you. And the who have they played argument. It's more than the who have they played argument. And I didn't get to that yesterday. But it's more of what I heard last night coming back home. That they're saying, they're talking about the top four that got unveiled. Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan. And they had the Athletics' Cody Stavenhagen on. We talked about Michigan. He's there at all the press conferences. And he's saying, like, listen, I think that if there's a team that has a chance against Alabama, wouldn't necessarily pick them to win, but has a chance. It's Michigan because of the defense. And the hosts were like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. And then Cody got off, and they're like, well... But Michigan just did it to Penn State, and what's Penn State? And you look at Alabama and who they've played. I'm sorry. Look at Alabama and who they've played? I understand. Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan State aren't as good as other as other people thought they were going to be, myself included, this year. Penn State wins out. Penn State will actually be exactly what I thought they were. A 9-3 and team. If Michigan State wins out, Michigan State will be exactly what I thought they were, a 9 and 3 team. Wisconsin I thought was going to go 11 and 1. So there. Ohio State might finish this season 11 and 1, 10 and 2 or 9 and 3. So there's different things there. But it's uh I think it's just a ridiculous. Uh, it's, it, it was ridiculous because they came back and was was like, "Do you think Michigan could even hang with Alabama? Alabama's just got the best athletes." I'm sorry, Michigan has some pretty damn good athletes. You think Alabama didn't want Donovan Peoples Jones, five star in the 2017 class, and then for top wide receiver, or Rashawn Gary? Top player overall in the 2016 class. Aubrey Solomon. Five star. They wanted Nico Collins and Tariq Black. Did did Karan Higdon have all of the offers? No, not necessarily. But finding a three star that can be one of the top players in the country is sometimes that talent that you have. Right? Not everyone has to be a five-star. Last I checked, Adam Thielen in uh, Minnesota wasn't even ranked. It wasn't even playing for an FBS-level college. It's not always just about the rankings. And Michigan has just as many players, at least on the starting end and somewhat on the back end, as Alabama. I'm not saying they have as many five stars, but I'm saying they have guys that can play. They have a rotation that is extremely deep, especially on defense. So 
I don't want to hear any of this talk about there is no way that it would even be a contest. Could could Alabama win in a blowout against Michigan? Sure. Will they? I don't know. But all of this hinges on this talk about what happens if Georgia ends up beating Alabama. And then it's like, well, sorry, Michigan. Here's a firm handshake. Have fun in the Rose Bowl. Because the misconception is the SEC is just so much better when it just as well could be that these Big Ten teams are just beating up on each other. That the top of the Big Ten could be just as good. Penn State's three losses have come to Michigan State, Ohio State, and Michigan. Otherwise, unblemished. If you're Penn State, of course you want to win one of those, but they lost two close games and got blown out in one. They're not necessarily that far off. Michigan very well could just be currently, nice voice crack by my part there, the new Alabama of the conference, maybe, which would have been Ohio State in previous years. All right, this segment ran really long. I have more that I would love to explain here, but I just can't seem to get through this in a feasible amount of time. So, you don't want to watch the game. You need to watch this game coming up. Sick of paying for 20 channels you never watch and you just want to see your team win? Well, guess what? Sling TV is the best way to watch college football. $30 a month, you can get ESPN, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and more. Stream to your big screen and all your favorite devices. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, only better. No useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. Sign up for Sling TV and get a seven-day free trial. Locked On Wolverines listeners can get their seven-day free trial by going to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on. Coming up next, we are going to talk uh, very, very briefly for these next two segments about uh, players who may be coming back, players who did come back, and one happy trails to one player who has decided to leave Michigan as of last night. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. So first, coming back, uh, well, want to remind you, we're going to finish up talking a little bit about basketball. We're going to speed through this here. But uh, before we do that, uh, going to talk about some players that might come back. One that did come back already. And then we were going to discuss one player who has chosen to finish his Michigan career elsewhere. So starting off, we are going to talk about uh, Rashawn Gary, who did come back uh, for the season. Rumors rampant started by internet provocateurs who like to make things up and hope that they stick. Uh, Remember, just don't look. Uh, had said that uh, Rashawn Gary was going to sit out for the season. He did not, obviously. He ended up uh, coming back. And when asked about whether or not he would uh, 
whether or not he was going to uh, sit out, Gary was like, "Yeah, no, that's that's not happening. What are you, what are you thinking?" In his words, were, "Did you ever consider it? Absolutely not. Feel like we're in a position where we can control what we want to control." Like I said, those are my brothers, so we came in together, we started something, I need to finish it. But talking about how painful it was for him to sit out, uh, I just wanted to, to play a little bit of audio. So here's what Gary had to say. Is it safe to say that was one of the toughest stretches of your career, not being able to play these that past month? What do you mean toughest? Toughest mentally, just not to be on the field? Uh, yeah, at first. At first, I'd be lying to you if I said it wasn't. But, you know, having my team behind my back, my coaches behind my back, and my family behind my back, they wouldn't let me get down. They only just kept me working, you know, treatment, getting, my, getting right for the, you know, so I could come back. And that's what they've been doing. So I, it wasn't no time for me to suck. It was time for, all right, you're hurt, get healthy, we need you. And that's was in my head. That was in my head every time. When did you realize that you were back all the way, that you could come back and play? <laughs> uh, as soon as I hit the sled. As soon as I hit the sled and I could move move my arm how I wanted it to move. So, you know, as soon as I seen that and looking over and practicing and watching my, like I said, my brother's work, all that work that we put into, I can't just leave him, you know. So I've been working. So as soon as I start hitting the sled, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's time to get back out there. I need to. When was that? Was that last week or a couple weeks ago? Uh, that was that was in the beginning, going into Michigan State. Was Penn State up the goal? Was all, was Penn State always the goal to come back, or was it kind of week to week thing for you? It was always week to week. It was um, you know, how I felt, and um, you know, I really wanted to come back, Michigan State, but you know, I personally, I really wasn't ready, and um, you know, thank God, you know, I've been working hard. You know, thank all the trainers too. You know, they've been on my back. You know, telling me to work harder and harder, and I, that's what I've been doing. And you know, Penn State just happened to be when I was feeling good to play. How frustrating was it for you to hear all the kind of speculation about what your future was? Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't much like on me personally. You know, just on my family. Because me personally, as an athlete, people gonna talk about you. They gonna say things that they don't know about you. So why would that affect me? The only person that knows what's going on is me. You feel me? But I feel like from my family standpoint, you know, some people in my family, you know, looking at things like that, of course that can get annoying. You talk about one of their loved ones. But for me personally, it was no stress on me. I think I speak for everyone that follows and likes Michigan in that they couldn't be more thankful that he came back, especially against Penn State. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's here at least for the rest of the year, whether that be three more, you know, well, I guess four more games or six more games. So Michigan could have, will have no less than four games left and uh, could have maybe six. So you at least still have him for potentially a half a season's worth of uh, stuff out there. So that's cool. The other one I want to talk about is uh, MGO blog mentioned this yesterday and had a couple other people reach out to me and, and mention it to, to me as well that uh, they were getting word from, you know, some people in the know that uh, as of right now, Shea Patterson is planning on coming back next season. That he'll go out, put his name out there for the to the NFL Draft Advisory Board, get his mid-round grade, and say, thanks but no thanks, I'm going to do another year at Michigan. And how huge would that be? Don't expect that from Rashawn Gary. <laughs> Rashawn Gary, in my eyes, is as good as gone. Obviously, that's his decision, and that's wonderful. 
I think that's <laughs> they think that's just absolutely great for him because he deserves that. Uh, whether that decision's been made or not, I don't know. I'm speculating, but uh, I I think if if there's anyone out there that's gonna begrudge him that decision, just stop. He's done what he's needed to do. He's he's been a difference maker for Michigan, even if the stats don't necessarily show it on his end. They show it on Chase Winovich's end, and part of that has been because of having being the beneficiary of having Rashawn on that other side. Uh, and then but then uh, but with Shea, imagine this in offense with Shea Patterson at the helm in junior or third year rather. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Nico Collins, Tariq Black, senior Zach Gentry. Everyone on the line returning except for Jawan bushel And uh, the only impact player you lose is Karan Higdon. But you bring it, you return Chris Evans, you bring in Zach Charbonnet. Maybe Quavaris Crouch, should he opt to play? At running back, as far as I've been told, they're just kind of letting him come in and the chips fall where they may if he plays offense or defense. Could be incredible. But one running back won't be on the team next year, and that is Kurt Taylor, who announced yesterday that he is moving on from the University of Michigan. Uh, so happy trails to him. I know a lot of people really liked his hard work is undefeated scenario, but... Unfortunately, he did not see the field and was not going to see the field and saw the writing on the wall and has chosen to carry on his career elsewhere. I'm not going to knock the kid. It is what it is. So just, you know, be kind out there. Don't trash him for leaving. Obviously, a lot of people know how much he loved Michigan. And, you know, if you want to try to play and you know what's not going to happen, then you either elevate your game or you go somewhere else. So he's going somewhere else. And you can't blame someone for that. All right. Is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Your company could be mentioned right now. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their podcast. Our demographic is 98% male and has more education and earns more than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor this podcast. Email me at LockdownWolverines at gmail.com. We're going to finish out with some basketball takeaways super fast. Just a couple more days until my birthday at a perfect circle comes to town to Detroit. And I want to go. I don't know if I'm going to yet, but if I do, I'm going to use the Vivid Seats to buy my tickets. I can use it and get my ticket at a great price. Another voice crack. Awesome. Vivid Seats is the top source for for tickets to all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for $20 off of orders of $200 or more to save even more money. Go to the Apple Apple App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code Locked On to get that twenty dollars off of orders, two hundred dollars or more. Every purchase is backed by one hundred percent buyer guarantee. So from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app. Enter promo code Locked On. All right. So my four takeaways. We have about a minute and a half to get through all of this. Uh, Michigan beats Norfolk State sixty-three to forty-four. Started out pretty impressively, 30-7, to and then things kind of just got sloppy. They were sloppy offensively to begin with. Lots of missed shots, lots of close shots. But before the season, John Beeline said that uh, he was still looking for scores coming out of Spain. 
uh, after that trip. Well, guess what? Michigan is still looking for scores. Uh, definitely miss having uh, Duncan Robinson, Mo Wagner, Muhammad Ali, Abdul Rahman. Definitely had open looks all night, uh, but the ball just couldn't find the basket in many cases. Lots of not finishing. 36.7% of shooting on the night, 6 of 26 from 3. That is not ideal. Jordan Poole, you know, obviously you think about that Houston shot. You think of the sharp shooting that you could see from him, you know, from time to time. has made some big threes, especially in games of, what was it, Northwestern last year. Uh, and uh, But he finished with just three points, all on free throws, went 0 from 5 from the floor. Charles Matthews scored 10 points, looked to be a factor early on, went 5 of 12 from the game. But, and speaking of Matthews, next point, Charles Matthews and free throws, Still an issue, went 0 from 5 from the stripe. Uh, so he spent all this time trying to get better there and just really hasn't. Uh, defense still looks really legit. Held uh, Norfolk State to uh, 24% shooting in the first half. A uh, little bit of lapses in the second half, and they increased that. But still looked good, really getting in the lane, swarming, just uh, kind of doing some stuff. Uh, John Teske was one of those, and he might not be Mo Wagner, but he seems to be on his way. Uh, 5'11 from the floor, finished with 13 points, 8 rebounds, 4 blocks, and 1 steal. Uh, definitely becoming more and more assertive. Not uh, Will he get there? Will he become a star? We'll see. He's getting close. Uh, that's all the time we've got, unfortunately. Wish we could have talked about that with more length. But for the Lockdown Wolverines podcast, I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole. You can find me online at... Isaiah Hole, follow the podcast at on Wolverines or Wolverines Wire at Wolverines Wire. If you'd like to be a feature sponsor on the show, please email me at lockdownwolverines at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, or online at wolverineswire.com, where we post our daily podcast every single day to go along with the rest of your Michigan football coverage. This was Lockdown Wolverines, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.